Fam Podcast. TheRadioFam.com Radio Fam, welcome to the last episode in Season 7, Episode 10, featuring Ricky Sanchez. Uh, sorry about last week, uh, just didn't put out an episode. I was going to come on and record something really quick um, and say hello, but I was out traveling back-to-back from CRS uh, to Las Vegas, just all over the place, and just really did not have time to do it. You know how that goes. So, uh, plus I started a new job, so it was like, all right, let's just kick in uh, to Ricky. Uh, It's funny because I actually, if you're listening to this now, I actually forgot to put this intro on the episode last night. I was like, oh my god, it's Thursday. I'm a little bit all thrown off as I get my schedule figured out, but here we are, and... um, yeah, this was cool, though, because I met Ricky Sanchez about a year ago. She was uh, we had known each other online, but I met her in person at CRS. So it's about a year later, uh, her being on my podcast. She was actually also on the Rising Stars panel at um, Morning Show Bootcamp last year. And uh, so, yeah, hopefully we'll see you for that this year. Um, by the way, I don't know if I've mentioned it. If you use promo code RadioFam, you can get $100 off your registration at Morning Show Bootcamp. Just go to RadioMSBC.com and click tickets and get your tickets in your hotel and all that good stuff. All right, um, enjoy this one and we will kick off uh, into season eight next week. See you later. It's so funny because I feel like everybody who's in radio always says, well, I fell into it, but like I really did just fall into it. Um, I went to, so I went to a university originally and I hated it. I despised going, it just wasn't fun for me and I'm actually a total, total nerd. Um, so the fact that I hated going to school was a huge deal for me and I was spending so much money to go there with student loans and stuff. Cause it was a private college and I realized like, okay, this is stupid. I, I gotta leave this place, especially because I what didn't have What were you going to options. do at first? I had no idea. I completely undecided and that didn't help because they didn't have many, um, opportunities for me, like to choose what I wanted to major in. So I was like, all right, this like really isn't fueling my fire the way that I feel like it should. So I left and I went to County College. And when I went to County College, they had hundreds of different things that you could major in. So I got my associates in journalism because I always loved to write. So I loved that. I was like managing editor of the newspaper. I won awards for writing things, all sorts of stuff. So I was like, okay, this is just what I'm going to do. And when I left County College to go get my bachelor's degree, I went to Pace University in New York City. And I realized that maybe it wasn't journalism that I wanted to do, but something along the lines of journalism. Um, But I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do because I didn't want to do TV because I didn't want, I didn't want to be famous. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, which sounds so crazy. Like I didn't want to be famous. I wanted to be just normal and have an average normal life and just enjoy my job. So my RA in my uh, building that I lived in, in New York City, she was like, hey, during orientation, because I I transferred in halfway through the year. So she did a whole orientation for the people that were halfway through the year. And she's like, just so everybody knows, I'm the president of the radio station. If that's something you're interested in, like, this is my room number, come down, let's talk about it, because maybe I can slide you in somewhere and teach you more about it. And I was like, "Hmm, I like talking. Let's see. And it's kind of like journalism, just like a different form of journalism. So I talked to her and she was like, yo, lucky you. I have one slot left. Do you want it? And I was like, sure, I guess. Why not? Uh, So I started like my own little internet radio show at Pace University. Um, 
It was called Expand Your Horizons. I got to pick any song I wanted to play. <laughs> and that was why it was Expand Your Horizons. So I would play a lot of like up and coming artists and a lot of people that people didn't really know about. Um, and I loved it. And I loved curating those playlists. And it's still one of my favorite things to date is like, I'm constantly going to my PD and I'm like, hey, have you heard of so-and-so? Did you listen to the song? I really think we should be playing this. Okay. And he's always like, okay, let me check it out. And at the end of the week, he has like eight fucking songs to look at. <laughs> Any specific genre in particular? All over the place. Like I played everything you could imagine. I really didn't want to hold myself to any like boundaries. And then I would do like little talk breaks in between and just talk about my life and stuff. And I was like, this is kind of fun. I like this. This is cool. Um, and this part is one of my least favorite parts to tell the story because it's my dad's favorite part of my story thus far. Um, so I was in college and since I transferred, transferred so many times, I was really behind in credits. Uh, so when I was at Pace, I was taking an insane amount of credits. At one point it was like 21 credits. I was running around like a lunatic. I wasn't working at the time because I was really just trying to catch up. And so I was poor as hell. Um, <laughs> just trying to get by kind of thing. And my dad would come cause I'm from Jersey. So my dad would come once a month with my grandparents because they were in Yonkers in New York and I was in Brooklyn. So it was easy for them to get there and easy for my dad to come in. So my dad would come in with my brother and my grandparents would come from Yonkers and we would have breakfast once a month, like typically on a Sunday morning. And there was this one Sunday morning where I was super, super hungover, like insanely hungover. I finally gave myself like some time to go out and do my own thing. And my dad called me out at breakfast and he was like you look like shit also am i allowed to curse on this yes I just yes absolutely yeah <laughs> i forgot to tell you ahead of time yes <laughs> so he was like you look like shit and i was like well i feel like shit and he was like you know you really should be like had like you should have an internship or something because you're wasting your time here you're behind this and that this and that keep in mind my dad flunked out of college so i instantly got pissed off. Like, I feel like hell. You're happy I even made it to breakfast, dude. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, Rich coming from the man who flunked out of college. Like, are you kidding me? And he's like, you know, you always want to act like you have your life together, but it doesn't look like you do right now. And I was like, I'm literally not dealing with this. And I got up from the table and I was like, fuck this. And I just <laughs> left. And I went back to my dorm and I opened up my laptop and I started Googling internships and it happened to be that it was the last day that Elvis Duran was accepting applications. So I wrote my first cover letter ever, made my first ever resume, Googled, a, like, I think this took me five hours because I Googled so many resumes, so many templates, so many, like, different ways to do this application because it was the, my first real, like, job application that I was doing other than waitressing and working in retail. Uh, so I did all of that and I drove myself insane because I felt like hell in between like throwing up and having the biggest migraine of my life. And I finished, I sent the email, I closed my laptop and I was like, that's enough for today. Went to bed. You found that just by Googling it? Like, yeah, I just Googled internships that were available at the time. Um, and it just happened to cut like internships in radio in New York City um, because I really liked my radio show. And I was like, all right, if I need an internship and my dad keeps getting on me about it, let me just get an internship doing this. Um, and like two or three days later, they reached out to me and said that they wanted to interview me. And I was like, this is not real. <laughs> like, this can't be real. There's no way. 
So I gave them my availability um, and I didn't hear back for a week. And I started to get really nervous. And I was like, I don't know what to do now. So obviously I do what every kid in college does. I called my mom. <laughs> and I was, like, <laughs> I was like, mom, I don't know what to do. Help me adult. What do I do in this situation? Like I sent them everything. It's been a week. They said they wanted to interview me. She was like, well, you have to send a follow-up email or call them. And I was like, well, I don't have anybody's number. She's like, okay, send a follow-up email. Like just say, hey, you reached out about an interview. I'm just curious when you'd like to schedule one with me. So I was like, okay, that seems really needy, but whatever. <laughs> Way to not play it cool, fine. So I emailed and I was like, hey, what exactly is going on with this? Um, and that's where David Brody, who was the executive producer at the time, had reached out to me personally and was like, I'm so sorry. This slipped through the cracks because the interns are the ones that book everybody's um, interview. And so I was like, okay, no problem. He goes, I have one last slot to interview for this upcoming like semester if you can make it here at this time on this day and it was like two days later and I was like sure I skipped class <laughs> I went to the interview and I went to the interview and he was like last one so I already knew in my head I was like he has everybody chosen there's no way he's gonna pick me because I'm the last interview he's just doing this as a courtesy and I was like either way it's practice or maybe like he'll keep me in mind for another semester or something like that. So I went to the interview It ended up being like two and a half hours long, which anybody who's ever had an interview with David Brody will tell you that they're the longest interviews ever. Is he a chatty <laughs> Kathy? He loves to talk. So he talks about everything. I was on the phone with his wife at one point during the interview. Oh my God. <laughs> That's hilarious. So like at the end, I remember I had a panic attack because he goes, I know this is your first real interview for an actual real job. I just have this one suggestion for you. And I was like, shit, where did I mess up? Like, what did I say? Where did I mess up? I thought this was going so well. And he was like, I have nothing to actually tell you except for congratulations. You're the first person I'm hiring for the semester. And I was like, what? And I played it totally cool. And I was like, good one. And like, he was like, I'll be in touch about like when you're going to start this and that, blah, blah, whatever. I got in the elevator and I was like, that didn't actually happen. And I got on the phone with my dad and then I got on the phone with my mom or vice versa. I forget which one I called first. And I was just like, I don't actually know if this is real, but I feel like that's what he said to me. But I feel like there's no way that's what he said to me. But I'm pretty positive that's what he said to me. Yeah, they're like, I'm sure that's what he said to you. And I'm like, part of me is like, no, you made that up in your head, Ricky. He didn't say that to you. And then I got the email of like the welcome email. And I was like, oh my God, he said that to me. It's real. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. And I just like shit myself because I also was like I don't know that much about radio yet I've only been doing my radio show did you even realize like wow the Elvis Duran show I realized how big of a deal it was because I grew up listening to Elvis okay um so I always listened to Elvis I knew that Z100 was like the shit because again I always grew up listening to them it was Elvis and it was um the breakfast club oh oh yeah and so I knew it was a huge deal, but I was like, I don't know that much about radio yet. Like I'm just dipping my toes in it. And I think that just says a lot for faking it until you make it kind of thing. Yes, totally. <laughs> um, and I really just faked it till I made it. And I learned so much of that internship. And I think that that was when I really realized like, yeah, this is absolutely what I wanted to do. The first time that Elvis said, 
I heard intern Ricky talking about this and Carla Marie looked at me because she was the phone producer at the time. And she was like technically my boss, which is so weird to think about. She's one of my best friends now. So it's like really weird. But she was like my boss. And she just looked at me. She goes, get up, stupid. And I was like, oh, and I had to like stand up and like run into the studio because I didn't know that's what was happening. So I had to like run in the studio and he was just kind of like, I heard you talking about the fact that you don't want to be like an adult and like how you need to like get your shit together basically because I was, I was ranting about how I didn't want to work on Fridays because I didn't have classes on Fridays. <laughs> and I had this whole list of things that like I would have to get over once I got out of college and we just talked about it. And I walked out of the studio and I was like on cloud nine butterflies in my stomach that was the coolest thing I've ever done. Oh my God, that's what it's actually like. Like, that's crazy. And then we started getting all these phone calls of people shitting on me because they're like, what an entitled piece of shit. Kid. Oh my like, God. All these things. And I was like, oh my God, people hate me. I'm doing something right. <laughs> if people don't hate you, you're not doing it right. Like, you want people to like you for sure, but there's, you're not going to be everyone's favorite, like, cup of tea. What is it? Not everybody's cup of tea is typically what people say. I always say, like, not everybody's favorite beer because everybody has a different kind of beer that they like, you know, like, and that's fine. So I just kind of accepted that. But that was when I, like, fell in love for, with it. And I was like, this is 100% what I want to do. Like, what were you doing to, as, as an intern for him? I was doing legit things. Like, I was writing out prep of things that topics that were important that we should be touching on. I was uh, writing blogs. I was editing audio. I was doing everything and anything that somebody would actually do in a job on, on a radio station. And they let us do that, which sounds crazy when I think about it. But that was how they did it. It was so hands-on. And that's how I learned so much of how to do everything. I also was a lunatic and I used to stay afterwards. And at the time, JJ Kincaid was on at Z100. So like, after all my stuff was done and all the things that I had to do was finished, I would go and I would ask him, like I would ask everybody on the show, like, do you need help with anything? Do you need help with anything? Do you need help with anything? And everybody would say no. And then I go to JJ and be like, hey, do you need help with anything? And he always would be like, no, but if you want to like hang and eat pizza. <laughs> so I would like hang with him and eat pizza. If he like needed advice on something or like needed me to get on the show, whatever it might've been, like I was just kind of there. But he to this day is like, I only had a very few handful of like interns like that that would actually come to me and ask that. So like he always remembered that and he's been one of my biggest like supporters since then. I just wanted to learn, you know what I mean? Like and it was such an honor to be able to learn from a group like Elvis Durancho. <laughs> like that's insane. And then I just felt like when everybody had enough of the things that I needed to do for them, then like I could also learn from other people at Z. So I would always kind of like hang around. I lurked. I was like, you guys aren't getting rid of me. This is going to be really hard for you to get rid of me. <laughs> and that's also kind of like the attitude that I held through my entire career because it took me a really long time to get an on-air gig, like a really long time. How long total were you there as an intern? Two, inter two um, uh, semesters I was there for. Because I was behind in credits, I got to do it for another semester because I had to do credits through the summer. Um, and then I was graduated and I was done and I needed a job. So I worked for a prep service and I wrote for a prep service, edited for a prep service. I did overnights where like I was up to like four 
waiting for everybody to like send in their stuff and I would edit things and upload it on the website. It was, it was a lot. And, Over at iHeart or? Uh, Premiere. Yeah. So Dr. Dave's Ultimate Prep. I worked for them for like five years. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Because I, I needed something to do that was still within the realm. And everybody used to always say to me, like, just stay in the building kind of deal. And I took that to heart. And then I had another job working for iHeart itself for the app. I was a stream listener is what they called it. Oh, what do you do is that? So you sit there and for eight hours a day, I would listen to the radio from the iHeart app to give them feedback of like how many times ads are playing, how many times it would stop playing, when it would skip things, like when things weren't edited correctly, all sorts of stuff. And it sounds insane and it sounds like a ridiculous job, but I was like, this is a perfect job because I'm just listening to radio all day, every day. And it's giving me ammo and ways to kind of like know what works and doesn't work and like styles of radio. So it kind of benefited me in that way as ridiculous as the job sounds. And I met so many people because again, stayed in the building. So I met so many different people who then helped me with so many other different jobs. And it wasn't until like, oh my God, when did I finally, I got my gig with Zach Sang show in 2019 and I graduated 2014. So it took years for me to get an on-air gig. Oh, wow. Okay. And how did you end up with him? So in between me being a stream listener and working at Zach Sang Show, I started a podcast, 20-somethings doing nothing. And that was like my way of taking back my narrative because I was applying for all these jobs and nobody was giving me a shot. I didn't have enough experience for them. And no matter where I applied, whether it was like middle of nowhere, Kansas or Pennsylvania or California or wherever, like it, I, nobody was giving me a chance. Like nobody was giving me a shot to prove to them that I could do this and that I had the talent to do this. So I was getting so frustrated and I was like, I need to do something. Like I can't just sit here and not do fucking anything because it was frustrating me. So I started my podcast and I was like, this is going to be my way of honing my skills and becoming a better talent. Um, and I had a co-host at the time. She dropped out because she realized it's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. <laughs> they have no idea. They're like, oh, you're just talking to a microphone. And I'm like, yeah, that's all you do. <laughs> so it was a lot of work and she didn't want to do it. So she dropped out and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, what do I do next? I know I want to do this and I'm putting my all into this. I don't know how to make it work if it's just me by myself. And I called Carla Marie and I said, what do I do? I am scrambling. She was like, why don't you just try alternating co-hosts? And I was like, alternating co-hosts? She's like, yeah, just like get your friends and see like who wants to do a podcast with you each week. Like just try it out. And I was like, okay, sure. So I did that for like a year, year and a half, something like that. And then I made Jake my permanent co-host. And we started to really like vibe with each other so well and it worked so well and it like became something that I never even imagined that it could become. Um, Elvis picked it up as part of his like podcast network and put it under his umbrella. And at that point I was starting to get more and more noticed by people and uh, Zach Sang being one of them. And I had applied for the job and I had a friend who knew him and she vouched for me. And I had another friend who knew, knew me and he vouched for me. Um, and then I just, I got the gig and I finally got my chance to be on air. And I was like, oh my God, it's finally happening. Moved to California. So through the podcast is how they're, how yeah, they're through the podcast and like you? all of, okay. 
Yeah, and all of the just background that I had from being at Elvis, being a prep producer, working on the app, like all of the yeah, and like all of those jobs were not jobs I wanted, and I thought they were the dumbest jobs at the time. You know what I mean? I was like, this is not what I want. I was so pissed. Like, I don't want to do this. You know what I mean? But they shaped the way that I thought about things. Like, I know good prep when I see good prep. I know what works, what doesn't work just because of being in that job for so long. I know um, different ways of conveying a story from listening to radio for eight hours a day, five days a week for a year. Like, I learned so much from those quote unquote stupid jobs (laughs) that helped me now which is insane when I think about it. But yeah, because of all of that and the experience, and then we're really looking for somebody who could be um, a heavy content producer and bring them a lot of content and do that aspect of it, which is essentially prep. It just like all worked. And I was there for a year and the pandemic hit and I lost my job. And I was like, well, my life is over. I cried for a week. They were doing riffs just like everybody else. And um, I missed the first two. But I knew like once a third one came around, I I went home for a week because we were all working from home anyways. And I was and my roommate wasn't there at the time. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go home for a week. Like I need to go see my family. Like I've been stuck in the house. LA was shut down, shut down. And you couldn't go anywhere or do anything. And it was it was getting really stressful. I was away from my boyfriend, I was away from my family. Um, It was also the first time that I've ever been that far away from anybody that I knew. So it all just was really weighing on me. And I finally got to the point because it had been it had been a while at this point that the pandemic had been happening and people were starting to do a little bit here and there. So I was like, I'm just going to go home for the week because we were all taking uh, weeks off at a time. Every three months we had to take a week off without pay. So, yeah. Wow. (laughs) So that was my week without pay. And I was like, screw it. I'm just going to go home. So I went home and I got a text message saying like, hey, I'm going to call you in a little bit. And I was like, yeah, I knew that was happening. Like I looked at my boyfriend the night before and I was like, I'm losing my job tomorrow. And he's the optimist. He's like, you don't know that. You don't know that. Like it could be fine. It could be fine. I'm like, nope, I'm 100% losing my job tomorrow. And the game plan was he was about to move out there with me the next month to live with me in Cali. So he like quit his job everything. And I got on the phone the next day and I was let go. And I, like I said, I cried for probably like a week. I gave myself that week. I was like, you have a week to cry and be sad about this and like feel these feelings. And then you need to get the hell over it. You need to do something. So I let myself feel those feelings for a week and be really sad. And I went through like a spiral because I was like, so many talented people are losing their jobs. And I'm never going to work in radio again. Radio is never going to be the same again. I'm screwed. I don't I don't even know what else I would do with my life. This is all I've been working towards. I finally got it and it was taken from me, like legit spiraling. Like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Everything is a mess. My life is shit. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and it just so happened to be that Jake wanted a creative outlet at the time, too. So we started doing the podcast again. Okay, that's what I was going to ask if you had stopped while you were with Zach Sang. Yes, so I stopped while I was with Zach Sang because he was Westwood One and uh, Jake was still working for Elvis at the time. So it was a conflict of interest and they wouldn't let me keep doing the podcast because that's just what any company would do. And so, (laughs) yeah, so I stopped doing the podcast and then once I lost my job, I was like, there's nothing holding me back. And Jake was like, let's do it. So we did the podcast again 
and it gave us both a creative outlet again and it made me feel less lonely and less shitty about the situation. Um, I went across country with Carla Marie and Anthony at the beginning of everything because they lost their jobs right after I lost my job. So we were like, I texted them because I was just like in such a bad place and everything was shit. And we just like constantly were talking to each other about how we just felt like shit. <laughs> and like, we don't know what we're going to do next. So they were coming back to Jersey. So I was going to see them anyways. And it just like happened to work out. But like, I basically just jumped in the car with them and went back to Seattle with them. And then it was so cool because I, I was watching it as a you know, as an audience member watching that kind of happen. And it was just kind of, is cool to, you know, to kind of see people going through this stuff, but coming together to kind of make a situation out of it. Absolutely. And it was the best thing that could have happened to me. And I don't even know if I've said that to them, but truly the best thing that could have happened to me, because when I tell you I was fucking spiraling, like I just, I didn't know what to do. And nobody else could understand how I felt at the time, except for them that I knew personally you know so the fact that they were just like yeah dude jump in the car let's go to seattle and then carla marie let me stay in her house for like three weeks after that <laughs> yeah like i didn't want to go back home i just felt so weird and i needed i needed that like i needed that time i needed to be around them i needed to not be home because you know family and friends are so amazing but like it gets to a point where you almost feel like people are pandering to you in a way and you feel like everyone feels bad for you and if they don't feel bad for you, then it feels like they're being mean towards you. It's like nothing feels right, you know? <laughs> so it just like felt right. And it was such a nice, relaxing, like chill downtime that I think I needed anyways, just in general, outside of the fact that I lost my job. Um, and it was it was the exactly what I needed and the best thing that could have happened to me. It's like, like a reset kind of. Yeah, I don't know what I would do without them. That's basically what, And if they're listening to this, I never said that. I hate you both. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm actually getting red because I'm like, ah, oh, motions and niceties. Gross. <laughs> I, I had looked for so many jobs. I had applied to so many jobs. I was up for a few and Nashville just happened to work out. And I was like, oh, my God, I got something. Like, this is crazy. I never thought I'd be in Nashville. Here I am. It didn't matter what kind of on-air gig? Everything. Okay. I was up for an on-air gig with a rock show in Oregon at one point, which is not me. But the, your girl just needed to get back on air because I just felt so lost. And uh, I just needed to keep applying, keep getting my name out there kind of thing. And... Out of all of them, Nashville worked. And I'm so happy that it worked because it's been working so well for me. I've learned so much more being here. Like I learned a lot at Zach Sang. I learned a lot at Elvis Duran. I've been learning a lot here. I'm just always constantly learning. And I'm so happy to be in a place where I have a PD who supports me wholeheartedly in all of the things that I want to do and wants me to grow as a talent and trusts me and thinks I'm talented. Like that's the biggest thing I think too is finding people – that you work with or people that you surround yourself with who know that you're talented and trust you with your vision and want you to be you. Because that's rare, I feel like. It's so rare, like so unbelievably rare. And the fact that I've found someone to do that has been a huge confidence boost for me, especially after feeling so low, like my lowest low career-wise. And then having someone be able to build me up that way is more than I could ever ask for. Like, I can't thank this man enough. He's 
an amazing PD, an amazing boss. Just by applying randomly or was that like, oh, I knew somebody. Yeah, I saw the post online again and I was like, okay, Nashville, that sounds cool. Like I'll just apply, whatever. And I applied and they called me back and I was like, that's weird. And also I will say this is the first time that I've ever been completely and totally honest with a PD about my goals and what I want. Because a lot of PDs get thrown off when you say what your goals are when they're bigger than them or bigger than their station, bigger than their show that you're applying for. So I've held back in so many auditions because I felt like that's what I had to do. And I will say losing my job was such a blessing in disguise in the sense of my confidence and learning who I am and appreciating who I am and just all around self-awareness of like what I have to offer because I, I caved in a lot of ways in a lot of other jobs and not that I wasn't always me because I can't not be me. Like I'm just authentically me, but I let a lot of people, I held myself back in a lot of ways and I let other people do their thing that they needed to do just because I felt like that was what I was supposed to do. And so after losing my job, I got right back to my fuck this attitude. This is who I am. And this is what I I want. And I don't give a shit if you don't like it. That's fine. Don't hire me. Like, if I'm not what you're looking for, then don't fucking hire me. That's fine. I know what I have to offer now. I know that I'm talented. I know I know what I'm doing. I know that I'm always willing to learn, even if there isn't something that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> like I'm always willing to learn that aspect. I know that I am worth so much more than what other people think. And so I also felt like the worst of the worst already happened. Like I got let go. For sure. Like once you've already experienced it, it's like, okay, I know what this feels like. Yeah. And it sucked. And I felt that. And like I said, I cried for a week and I felt hopeless and I spiraled out of control. I went through all those emotions and I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like I'm good. You know, I got another job. I am doing the things that I want to do, like interviews. I love doing interviews and I finally get to do them like solo and I'm good at them, which is really hard for me to say. I almost just like barfed while I said that because I'm very <laughs> bad at giving myself compliments. It's hard. I get it. Yeah, it's really hard. Ugh, like that just made me very uncomfortable. But like I've been told I'm good at them. So I'm like, I'm good at them. And I'm really trying this confidence thing. Like I'm good at that. I'm a good talent. Yeah. And I'm learning how to be a solo talent. Like I have a solo show on Sundays on the river and I know like so much more than anyone ever gave me credit for. And I'm like, Hey, if you don't like me or if you don't think I'm doing a good job, like I already lost my job once. It's fine. I'll find another one. I'll figure it out. Because I, I always ask people anyway what their ideal situations are. And it sounds like you've talked to your PD about like your goals and whatnot. So what does that look like for you? If you could kind of do radio and entertainment your way. So my goal, my entire career in radio has been to have my own morning show. You're the lead. Yeah, the lead. Yep. I am the lead of the morning show. And I really want that badly, not just for me, but for other women, for other Latino women, for just people to see that like you can do it. Um, and because I really, I think I can do it. I also, I would love to be like the female version of Zane Lowe. Cause I love interviews. That's my favorite thing. Like I thoroughly enjoy interviews. I just like to learn about people. I like to know why people tick. I like to know when I'm talking to an artist, like 
not just how they create music, but who they are as a person. Like, what got you here? Why are you the way that you are? Like, that's fascinating to me. And I would love to be able to do like long form interviews with people just about who they are, you know? And I, I love interviewing artists um, because I feel like there's a lot of, it's thrilling because there's so much to be afraid of and so much to not be afraid of while you're doing it because everyone's judging you. <laughs> and I am sick in the head and I get a thrill out of that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm like, yes, as a fan, I'm like, you should wonder what I'm gonna say next to these people. Um, but I also, I love it because I've been told ever since I was little, uh, as far as I can remember back, just that I make people feel comfortable and I always want people to feel comfortable around me. I want people to always feel comfortable around everybody and to be themselves. And I feel like if I can use that superpower that I have of making people feel comfortable for them to let loose and be themselves and like let the world know who they are, then I should use that. What advice would you give to somebody that is kind of, that was maybe going through the stuff that you were first, like kind of holding back? Because there's, you know, these younger people getting into radio. So like a young person that maybe doesn't want to be themselves either because they're trying to, you know, again, do what you did before you had that fuck it feeling. Um, I would say 100% fake it till you make it. <laughs> that <laughs> a is good one. for sure thing. Definitely fake it till you make it. Even if you don't know how to do it, say you know how to do it and then fucking Google that shit. <laughs> yeah. YouTube it. YouTube. 100%. <laughs> You could figure out how to do it just by YouTubing or just by asking, like ask somebody else, like, hey, how do I do this? Um, I would also say always be yourself for sure. Um, it's very important to be you because if you're not authentically you, then you have nothing. Um, with that being said, there are some jobs you're going to have to take that are like shittier jobs that you're going to have to kind of hold back a little bit. Um, and that's okay. Because you're playing the game. It's all about the journey. Yeah, you gotta play the game. You have to play the game. The background of my phone used to always say, "Play the game to win the or play the game to change the game." Is what it always used Ooh, to say. Yep. So I've been playing the motherfucking game because your girl's trying to change the game and trying to make things different for everybody else that's coming up after me. You know, and I would say also as a female, support other women. Don't just say you support other women, but actually support them. Like legitimately. Support them and support anybody that you you feel needs it and you feel deserves it. You know, like I don't think that we realize the power that we have even as up and comers or as people who have been in the business for, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years. And you feel like, oh, it's not enough because these people who have been doing it for 30 years have more pull. Like you don't realize how much pull you actually have. And just saying people's names in rooms that are important is a big game changer. I've been so lucky that I've surrounded myself with groups of people who are willing to say my name in rooms that matter. And that has changed the game for me because you never know who knows who. This is a very incestual business. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows each other. And if they <laughs> yeah. don't know each other, they know somebody who knows each other. So knows that person. So it's like you got to you got to always put yourself out there and find the people that are willing to put your name out there as well, because that's going to help you in the end. I can't tell you how many opportunities I've gotten just by like being in the room and just by meeting people and having people around me that have said my name. Like I was just saying this to somebody today because you and I finally met each other at CRS last year in person. And you had introduced me to Don Anthony at CRS. And then I was on the panel for the up and coming talent this year for Morning Show Bootcamp. 
None of that would have happened if I didn't just go to CRS for happy hour and just decide to like pop in with my friends and like talk to everybody and mingle. Like that never would have happened. It's so true. I don't think people realize how much, how far that can go. It goes so far. And just putting yourself out there is so, so important. And it's, it's awkward and it's weird and it's uncomfortable and going to things alone can be weird too. But like, it's just so important because you build such a nice groundwork of people by doing that. Like I've had so many people who are like, oh, I'm going to be a CRS this year. I hope to see you. We were just talking about it. Like, and then you get to like meet people, you get to build this amazing community on your own. And it, it's so helpful because nobody understands this business. Like other people in this business, it's on fucking real. I can tell you that. And like, no one's going to get it. Like other radio people are going to get it. So find those radio people that you know and trust and hold on to them. And make sure you trust them because there's a lot of weird people in this business too. So just find the right ones and come up with them and help each other. You know what I mean? Lift each other up because it's it's make it or break it. We'd love to hear from you. Make sure you email your questions or ideas at info at the radiofam.com.